0: Welcome to Early Homecoming, a podcast for missionaries who have returned home early and for those who care about them. My name is Kristen Reber, and I am the author of Early Homecoming, a resource for early returned missionaries, their church leaders, and family. On this podcast, you will hear stories and gain insights from myself and other missionaries who returned home early, as well as experts. Parents and church leaders. Join us on the path of understanding and healing as we share our stories and insights about the phenomena of returning home early from a mission. I am speaking with Elizabeth today. Elizabeth served in Brazil for five months before returning home early due to mental health, specifically OCD scrupulosity. She prepared her papers again, but was prompted by the brethren to move forward in different ways. A year later, she is back in school with a renewed testimony of the gospel and understanding of Christ's atonement. She recently started BeyondMyBadge.org, a website for missionaries who return home early and told me that it has been a great privilege to work on it. So, Elizabeth, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: I've been really just looking forward to talking to you. I've been checking out BeyondMyBadge.org. It is a great resource. There's a, just a lot of you know stories from other people, as well as general conference talks, videos. It's got a lot of great stuff on it. And I've got to say, I'm really impressed that you are healed enough, at least, to have the presence of mind to be able to create such a wonderful resource. I mean, just after a a year, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you about your healing and how you have gotten to this point. But first, I think, if you don't mind, we're just going to back it up and talk about your mission, talk about what happened to kind of just set you on this path to create this great resource.
1: Okay, so like you said, about a year and a half ago, I got my I got my call about, it's been a while now since then, it's crazy. I got my call to serve in Brazil, and so I went into the MTC, and I was really, thought my mission was just going to be like this, you know, this crazy story everybody always tells about how it's great, you lose yourself in the work, you love it, it's amazing, and kind of like all these miracles, and I was just expecting to go out there, have this great experience, kind of like have my mission, move on, and that was it. So I was out there, like you said, for five months. During actually the MTC, I began to really, began to get really hard. Like you mentioned with OCD, scrupulosity, essentially how I like to describe it, it's basically perfectionism. I had extreme perfectionism and I was really trying to do everything I could to do everything perfectly. In a way, I was trying to do it in all the wrong ways. I was trying to look at the letter of the law and not really the reason behind it. And the more I got stressed and worried about trying to follow these rules, the more I was not able to be myself and really to find peace. And it just really began to wear down on me for a long time. And I really, I began to start losing hope because I felt, I just felt so inadequate. I felt so just unworthy. I didn't feel good enough to really be teaching this message or really for having the atonement work in my life. And I really didn't believe it could work in my life. And that wore down on me for a long time. And it got worse and worse. And my sweet companions, they did all they could to help me. But ultimately, it was decided by the area presidency that I needed to go home because it was no longer a good thing. It was no longer safe for me to be out there because I, I was not really able to function. And it was time for me to go home, which was really heartbreaking to think that my mission was over in five months, a very chaotic five months. It was hard to believe.
0: That sounds extraordinarily difficult. When you say you were going about trying to do all the right things, in all the wrong ways. Can you give some examples, perhaps, of the wrong ways you were going about trying to do all these right things?
1: <laughs> yeah, I can. yeah, of course. Well, you know, the White Bible, the Missionary Handbook, I really took to heart, well, to my mind. I didn't let allow it in my heart. I just thought that if I followed every rule with exactness, because i had always been told, you know, Obedience brings blessings, but exact obedience brings miracles. And I thought, okay, if I follow exactly, then I'm going to be happy and it'll be like a result, like feeling peace and joy and miracles will be a result. Kind of like I had to earn it. And so I was trying to, you know, exercise for 30 minutes, do all these things that were very specific, but they weren't really guided by the spirit. I more saw them as things to check off a box. And so I thought I would get my worth and I could feel okay if I was doing all these certain things. But that really hurt my relationship with my companions because I wasn't very open to being flexible or being with the Spirit. And so it caused a lot of problems because I viewed it as we have to do this thing so then good stuff can happen. And when they were saying, look, the Spirit is working through us when we are open to the Spirit, we will follow the rules and do what's right. But most importantly, we're being guided by the Spirit, not just by a list of checklist rules.
0: Yeah, and so I guess my my follow-up to that is, Then why do you think these rules are even created? Because I know what you're saying. Obedience and exactness are very emphasized in the mission and for a reason. But where do you think the interpretation of that kind of just went wrong for you? I know you've been explaining it, but if you could just explain that a little more.
1: Yeah. So I think it's the reason why you do it. Um, Like I mentioned, the letter of the law versus the reason of the law the missionary rules, I am not saying that we should not follow mission rules. No way. As we say in Brazil, if it's That's it's really bad. You don't like just go against rules. And I believe in following the rules. But the reason I was doing it was I thought I had to earn or I had to qualify for feeling good or feeling okay. And I thought like, in a sense, I was doing it almost kind of just for myself because I thought I had to earn it. And instead of really doing. I love, one of the elders in my mission would have mentioned, he would say, I I couldn't keep all these rules if it wasn't for love. So people like my missionary companions, who I thought were not like 100% of the rules, they really were doing the rules because they were doing it for love. They were following these rules and these guidelines, being aware of the spirit and showing love for their savior. And for me, I thought I had to reach the certain point, follow the rules to the certain level, and then As a result, I could feel love and joy and peace instead of allowing those feelings and the power of the atonement to work through me the entire time. I saw it as an end, and they saw it as a way of doing it.
0: I see. Okay, thank you. Thank you for explaining that. And you said that by doing it this way, you know, following the letter, not the spirit, I read on beyondmybadge.org that you came home broken. What did you mean by that exactly, that you came home broken?
1: I was broken, quite literally, in really every single way my faith felt really shaken. Um, It was physically, I had really just thrown myself into a terrible place of just, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat right. Like I was just really, just certain ways I was just not physically healthy. I was very, very sick in a way, obviously mentally and emotionally. So I came home because I really, I could hardly focus. I could hardly really feel, I had really just shut myself down. And so I felt broken because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to act. I, I told my parents I was like, I just want to live in our basement for the rest of my life. I don't want to do anything. Like I couldn't. I, it was hard to get out of the bed and out of bed in the morning because I just felt really hopeless and I felt yeah, I felt broken. Like I just, I'd always been a very high functioning person that could was always doing as much as I could, and in a way, I was suddenly unable to really do anything or really be present, because I was so lost in my mind and just rehashing my mission, rehashing everything that went wrong. And, and in a way that I was just broken, I had stopped really functioning, if that makes sense. It
0: does. Now, it's also kind of just started from a pure desire to do what was right, to please the Lord, to have a good mission. But it was more or less just about the what you should be doing, or what you thought you should be doing. Am I understanding
1: correctly? yeah and I the thing was I was missing out on just, yeah, and I the thing was I was missing out on just the beauty of missionary work and the beauty of service and the gospel and its power, and so, yeah, I was focusing on what I should be doing when I was really just not present to the wonders and miracles that were all around me. Is this
0: something that had happened before in your life, or was your mission kind of the first time you'd experienced this?
1: The mission was really what made me to realize that this was a problem, that my way of thinking. Towards the gospel was inherently flawed. So this was really because, like I'd said, my I'd always tried to do the very best and on everything I did. I was always so busy that I was kind of missing out on life because I was just so jam packed and just doing everything I could. And so it never had seemed like a problem. Like sometimes I seemed a little more stressed about silly things that didn't matter. Like it had never limited me in what I was able to really do or accomplish.
0: So you get home and you're kind of having to unpack all of this. How did you unpack all of this? Obviously, it's been a year. Was it over the course of a few months, or has this been quite the work in progress?
1: Well, over time, quite obviously, it wasn't an overnight switch. It really began like accepting help and realizing I couldn't do it on my own, going to therapy, being a part of a group, but also getting to know my leaders better and talking to them and listening to them and being... You know, having to see that I was wrong. Sometimes I was very wrong in how I was thinking of things and strengthening my relationships with people and really having the opportunity to serve was really what began. And yes, it did take several months before I was really able to get back up on my feet again. After about three months, I got back into a job and then I started working a lot more and being a lot more involved. I got a lot more social than I've usually been and I've I'm so grateful for my friends that really rallied around me and were there for me, even when some were just in the mission field, but they would send me emails and they would support me. And so I really began over a couple of months, I began to get back on my feet and have this kind of healing process of, like you said, unpacking, realizing what had really happened. That was more than just my perspective and seeing what was going on. And also, most importantly, seeing how I can move forward and beyond what had all happened.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that because you initially tried to go back out on your mission, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yes, and I did feel good about doing that. It was really good because it did give me a goal to work towards, but also it was problematic because at first I was wanting to go back on my mission to kind of fix it. I thought I had to go back and fix what had happened because I couldn't accept that that was my mission. That those five months was my mission. I thought I had to go back out. I had to fix it. I had to do better than before. So, some of these old problems. And so, it was good for me because I began having to really make goals and follow what the church asked me to do. And so, I was willing to do those things. But then it also helped me see that, yes, I do feel that it was right that I resubmitted and worked on my papers again. But, like it said in my bio, I'm really grateful that the brethren told me to move forward in a different way. At first, it was hard because As I did get more and more healed and I got closer to really being able to go back on my mission, my desire was starting to change and I was really desiring for the right reasons to go back on a mission, to serve, to do what was right. I still had things to work on, obviously, but we all do. And I felt so excited to go back out. And so it was really hard to be told no, but I'm so grateful because I have a lot more empathy with people who try to go back out, because some people do. And like that's what they work towards. And some people are able to go back on their mission, and some people don't. And it's definitely a hard process trying to do that the second time. And I'm grateful for what I went through for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, but when you say the Brethren, do you mean the First Presidency? I don't know. I wasn't given very much information. I just know it got up to the Brethren. So it most likely was the Apostles, I'm assuming, from what I've heard. I was only told the Brethren. But I was told that the mission wasn't the right thing for me right now and I just needed to go forward. Was that really freeing to be told that or was it initially very frustrating? Oh, It is freeing now, but initially it was so frustrating. I was really bitter for the first two days. I felt really, really heartbroken that my mission in Brazil was really over. I thought that it was the right thing and going on a mission is a good thing. And I was like, Lord, I thought that I went through all of this so I could finally understand the gospel to go serve a mission because I view that as the way I was supposed to serve. And I was upset. Like I was very upset and it hurt so bad. But then I love what my mom says. She says, do you want this to make you bitter? Do you want to be bitter because of how this happened and how these things are? Or are you going to be grateful and focus on what the Lord has given you? And so I'm really grateful for that, what she told me, because that helped me realize I don't want this to cause me to have anger against either the church or other missionaries or any way like that. I don't want this to define how my mission was and not being able to go back out. So initially, it was not freeing. It was frustrating. But now, looking back, I know it was the right decision. And I'm so grateful they told me that.
0: Now, how do you know it was the right decision? What has happened in this last year to cause your perspective to change as well as your testimony to grow?
1: Well, the people I've met, for one thing, I absolutely adore all the people that I've been able to meet. I love my new roommates because I'm back in school. I moved back into an apartment. I love my roommates and my YSA ward and the people like I've been able to meet in my classes or the relationships I've been able to strengthen. They have so much greatly blessed my life and. I would know I wouldn't be with these people right now or be around these people if it weren't for the fact that I'm here and not in Brazil, which is where I initially wanted to be.
0: That is fair enough. Okay, let's talk about the atonement for a minute. At what point did you feel like you began to understand the atonement and that it began really working for you, both in healing your OCD scrupulosity and in allowing you to really feel at peace about moving forward with life and not going back on your mission?
1: I mean, in reality, I still am only beginning to understand the atonement. I can't even comprehend it. But the atonement was mentioned a lot when I was about to go home and the people I was staying with and everybody kept saying it, but I really didn't believe it for myself. I kind of viewed it as this beautiful big thing for people that have like make either big mistakes or really don't have a lot in their lives. Like the people I saw in Brazil, some of them were suffering so much. And I thought I've been given everything. Like I'm not, deserving of this great gift. I should do it on my own. And so when I came home initially, I was trying to do it on my own. Like I said, I I was trying to get back on my mission and just fix it. I thought if I can just study the scriptures enough and do nothing about study scriptures all day, I'm going to get it back into me. I'm going to get the gospel back in and get joy back into my life. And I thought I had to do it. But my understanding of the atonement really began as I realized I could not do it on my own. And I had to open up and accept help and really began to open up to the light of the atonement in the gospel, how I began to understand the atonement was more, and the gospel in general, is that it's not something that you can like a vitamin that you can just take and like put into you. In reality, the light of the atonement and its power is all around us, like Uckdorf mentioned in a talk, all around us all the time. That light is always about us. But as humans, with the fall we have, and with our own choices or mistakes, we essentially put up curtains or blinders or something to stop the light. Like we're only in our own little room. We have windows and the lights outside. The sunlight is out there, but we have drawn the shutters or the curtains are drawn. So really the atonement comes into our lives, not as we do these things to do all this stuff. It's more as we accept it, as we open the shutters, we open the blinds and we pull back the curtains and allow it in because Christ is always at the door. He's always wanting to help us. He's just asking that we accept Him. So when I realized that it wasn't me doing stuff to qualify, and it was more of me opening my heart and myself and becoming more willing to accept, that's when the Atonement happened. Because it wasn't me, it was Him that was doing the work.
0: Yeah, and recognizing that He understands you perfectly and just being willing to listen. Not act, not do, not try to earn your salvation But just listen and be still. There's a lot of scriptures that say, be still and know that I am God. Well, I think there might be only one that says that exactly. But a lot of them kind of reiterate that same theme. And I love that you recognize that, that it's about opening your heart and just letting him in and letting him direct you. Now, tell me about the inspiration behind BeyondMyBadge.org. What made you want to create this website?
1: Well, I was talking with a really dear friend and we were discussing stuff. And it was after I found out I couldn't go back on my mission. And I was trying to reorient myself and like what my new plans would be, where I was going to go. And because of my experience, I have a deeper understanding and love for earlier term missionaries. And I was sharing with her how I feel that the Lord is so aware and how important early term missionaries are. And I'm, which I'm sure you've felt through like your book and your podcast. And as we were talking about this, she said, you need to start a website. And I had heard people say like, oh, you should start a blog or do this or write that. And I was like, no, nope, I have no desire to do a blog. Like it just did not, I had, I didn't want to. And I, it never really crossed my mind. But when she talked about a website, we began to start brainstorming ideas really for a resource website to really combine and gather resources to help early return missionaries. And over time, of figuring out, like, okay, what do we need? Like, what's important? And obviously, uh, the Beyond My Badge website, it will continue to grow as we are more aware of different resources and we get more information. And it will always be continually growing and changing to best help and fit the needs of early return missionaries in this day and age. And so, really, the focus became an inspiration was from the prompting of my friend and then the the time I spent thinking about it and realizing that, as the title says, there is so much more beyond our badge. My uncle helped me actually find the Beyond My Badge domain. Originally, it was going to be called Beyond The Badge. I thought that would be an okay name. It'd be an okay website. And he said, well, all the domains are taken conveniently. And, but what is available is Beyond My Badge, beyondmybadge.org. And I thought, wow, I'm like talking with my mom. That is so powerful. It's not just about beyond the missionary name badge or the idea of a mission, because missions are powerful, but it's beyond my badge or beyond your badge, it's beyond your missionary experience. Those time, whatever months, days, or weeks it was, there's so much more to each missionary and their value as a child of God and as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that extends so far beyond their badge. And I feel like that's such an important message to understand especially with an early return. We don't get aware of the badge as long as we thought we were going to.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask what was the inspiration behind the title, but you already filled me in on that. So I think that's really valuable and really important. It's beyond the badge. It's not kind of leaving the badge behind per se, but it's just it's moving beyond. It's moving beyond this experience. But at the same time, I think a lot of your resources are also about allowing this trial to shape you. I know when I came home early from my mission, I wanted to forget about it. I just wanted to forget it ever happened. It was a really hard thing in my life. It was just a bad trial, and I just kind of wish it had never happened. But this isn't leaving my badge or forgetting my badge. This is just moving beyond my badge and knowing that that's okay as well as just here's some resources for helping people through that. I, I love it. I, I just love everything about that. I think that's great, and I love that you're pulling resources from others because there are a lot of resources nowadays. It, it, in the past, you know, when I came home, it was maybe one person who was out there doing something. Doctor Dody Yells was kind of doing some stuff, but. Now there's a lot of wonderful people making videos, writing books, writing articles. As far as I know, I'm the only one doing a podcast, but that might not be the case. I don't know. And I just think that's really, really neat that you are doing that and that you followed your friend's advice as well as I'm sure some inspiration too.
1: Oh, lots of inspiration. It wasn't me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's just neat. And I I love how the Lord takes these difficult trials in our lives and turns them into something
1: so beautiful.
0: When you think back on your mission now, do you have any anxiety towards it? What are your feelings towards it now?
1: Um, Really fast. I want to talk about something you mentioned too, about how the trial's A scripture I have, I've heard so much in the past year, more than literally any other scripture is it's quoted in multiple spots, but it talks about how all things will work together for our good, for those who love the Lord. And how, like you said, like sometimes we want to forget our trials. We want them just to go back in a back closet and never have to see that again. Like you got through it. You don't want to go think about it even, but how that can help work together for our good. And I've definitely been able to see that with the website. With looking back on my mission, I honestly, I think about my mission every day. I know that sounds so cliche and it's for a variety of reasons. There were a lot of things that my companions or people I was with doing splits with would tell me or teach me that at the time I could not apply because I was dealing with all of the things that were going on really inside of my head that I was struggling with. And so I heard them and I remembered them, but I couldn't really apply it. And so now as I'm back in school and working on the website and using this way as a way to serve and help raise awareness I can remember these things about how to, like how to plan things or how to pray for this help or how to focus on certain parts of the gospel and I honestly when I remember those things it brings a lot of joy a lot of light which I didn't think I had back on my mission because I couldn't really internalize it so it's interesting how things that happened at the time that I didn't think were helping are able to now help me a year later in a very different situation. That being said, yeah, there still are some times where it's a little traumatic to remember everything that happened, how I was doing and acting like as I was really at that broken state. And it can bring a lot of anxiety. It can kind of freak me out if I allow that myself to start going down that route. So I have to find ways to really be proactive and say, no, that is not who I am now. I love a quote that Renlin shared in a conference talk, and he quoted this person who was able to become a really great person, but had been through a lot and done some things wrong or had these different things that they had gone through. And when people were saying, how can you be so good? And like, but that was you. He said, t'was I, but tis not I. That's what I have to remind myself. When I get back in a rabbit hole of thinking, oh, but I was such a nightmare to be with. I was so worried just about myself. I was doing it wrong, was not understanding, and I was so lost. But then I can reroute and say, no, that was me. And I need to have empathy for what happened and what I did. I didn't understand the whole picture and I was very lost, but that's not who I am today or who I'll be tomorrow. I'm trying to move forward and to be a better person. And because of what I went through my life, has been changed forever and it's been for the better. So, yes, it's hard to imagine to think back on what happened, but in reality, I'm just so grateful. And that's what I have to remind myself when I do find myself slipping back into maybe some thoughts that are anxious or maybe not very positive. I have to remind myself and say, No, twas I, but tis not I.
0: Mm-hmm. That is the atonement at work right there. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Well, you know, honestly, I think I've gotten through everything I wanted to talk to you about. So I'm going to kind of leave it up to you. Is there anything else you would like to share or discuss that we haven't discussed yet?
1: I would like to mention one thing. Uh, It's been kind of a theme as I was talking with you today about talking about obedience. And I know for that quote that I mentioned, the whole exact obedience brings miracles. It's definitely very true, and I misinterpreted it, because I think with the exactness, like we were talking about exactness, I had a friend who was mentioning about how exactness, when you have perfectionism, it's all about the results, exactness, following and keeping the commandments with exactness is really more about the process of what you are doing and why. And so, yes, following with exactness is so important. Wanting to do what is right for the right reasons, trying to be exact in what you know and trusting in the Spirit is so important. When that exactness, if you're interpreting it as perfection, which is impossible, that's where the problem comes. It's not in the idea of exactness. It's the idea of trying to do it perfectly and on your own, which are two impossible things. So of course, you're not going to find joy because it's impossible and it will only stress you out. And it takes Christ out of the equation. My dear cousin said, perfectionism is the greatest antichrist because it removes Christ from the equation. It's like we have to reach Christ, but we have to do it on our own. When in reality, Christ is the one that's walking beside us. And in reality, he's also carrying us along, not us reaching him. He's reaching us. So if I understand what you're saying correctly, instead of saying, I have to
0: follow all these rules and guidelines because these are the rules and guidelines. Instead saying, Heavenly Father please help me to understand how you would have me follow these rules or um, how you expect me to conduct myself today in a way that brings thy spirit, in a way that lifts others. Just please help me. And kind of just being more Christ-focused, more other-focused instead of so result-focused and letting whatever happens, happens and not having some sort of expectation for A certain result due to your obedience. Is that what
1: you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I love how you describe that. That's so. That was so good. Like I, I learned stuff while you were saying that. Thank you. I love that. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's about. I love how you mentioned about telling Heavenly Father and saying, "Look, help me to do what like you need me to do, what you want me to do." And I feel like that's what's so important is giving up our will to Heavenly Father and to the Savior and saying. I know I'm going to do this imperfectly. Try as hard as I will. I'm still going to mess up. I'm still going to make mistakes. But can you help me to understand what you want me to do? Can you enable me to do what thou desirest for me to do? And this, with this website, my whole hope is that me and my team, who I love dearly and they just have helped so much. I'm so grateful for them that we can be guided by the spirit in what we do because we are all imperfect. Whatever we do on the website, yes, there will be imperfections, but the focus is not on what we do, but on what we are guided to do by the Spirit. I profoundly believe that inspiration is real and powerful, and I've seen it as I've been able to work on the website and move forward in my life, and that it's, inspiration comes when we recognize that we can't do it on our own, and we don't know everything, and that's okay that's when the Spirit steps in. And that's when He makes it a whole lot better. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think that's one of the most powerful things to realize of all is that it's really God working through us. My greatest desire is to be His instrument. And I think that's so powerful because as instruments of God, it's not us doing the work. We're just only tools that He can do His work and His glory through us. And that is the greatest honor and privilege.
0: Yes. And by doing that and submitting our will to his and just listening to what he would have us do, that is how we become perfect. It's not through following a, a checklist. Because uh, I'll be honest, when I'm like kind of following a checklist, I, I start to kind of do it a bit grudgingly. And I get a ton of anxiety that I'm not doing it right and that I'm not worthy of his love and trust and, you know, and I'm letting people down and all this stuff. But when you kind of just allow yourself to, relax, if you will, and just listen to him and find out what he thinks is most important, that's when you're guided and that's when progress starts happening. That's when you can really do his work and by so doing become perfected. So yeah, I love it. So obedience is good and obedience is something to strive for. Yeah. But- Yes, it's essential. So yeah, we're of course not saying that don't worry about the rules or just Heavenly Father, what do you want me to follow, but and let me know which ones I can cut out. But just kind of just taking a step back and realizing why these guidelines even exist. And if you've already kind of got desires to just follow and do what the Lord wants you to do, you really probably don't need to worry about breaking the rules or doing what the Lord doesn't want you to do. You can kinda Allow that worry to subside that because that's kind of Satan, too. You know, he loves to remind us how imperfect we are and how we're not doing enough, even when we are. He's a, he's a master liar and making us feel as though we're not doing enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, we just got to be aware of that and all these different voices in our heads, and they can be difficult to sort out. You know, Satan's voice, our own voice and the Holy Ghost. It seems like those would be very obviously different voices, but when you've got anxiety, they can be really difficult to distinguish. Now, have you found any little tactics or coping strategies that have helped you distinguish between those three voices?
1: Yeah. And I feel like not just for people with anxiety, honestly, anyone, we're all trying to understand. For me, I had I went through a lot of anxiety, but like I don't have chronic anxiety in certain ways. And I've always struggled to really know the spirit. And one thing I love, it's actually in the adjusting to missionary and missionary life handbook, which I wish I did read more because there was a lot of good stuff in there. But like you've been mentioning about listening, I really struggled to listen because of my perfectionism. Cause I thought I understood everything. I was very prideful and I wouldn't listen to other people's advice or help because I thought, you just don't get it. like You don't understand what I'm trying to say. And so I wouldn't listen to the Spirit and I wouldn't really listen to other people's advice for me. And like you said, listening is so key. And I feel like with listening, it's also there comes a part of discerning. The Adjusting to Missionary Life book talks about how voices and thoughts of harsh condemnation like, really, just tearing you down and beating yourself up, something I've often really struggled to do before the mission and during and after, <laughs> is not from the spirit. That is not the spirit speaking. I told my parents, I'm like, well, I just feel like that's like what the revelation I received. And they were like, no, that is not the spirit. The spirit can chasten and it can definitely chasten and call you out kind of on things that you're doing wrong, but it's not in a way that's going to make you feel ashamed and worthless. Like, you can't go on forward. And in a way, it uh, will call you out and say, look, you need to change. Here is Christ's atonement, and you can do better. Not that you just need to do better. You can do better. The Spirit is showing us and allowing us through Christ to improve and progress. Thoughts of harsh condemnation, which like you said, are from the master liar, Satan, they are all about how you can't they're so focused on how you can't improve. You can't get better. Your life can't be anything like this. It will never be like that. All of these extremes that saying that you're stuck, which is the biggest lie. We're never stuck. We're never beyond hope. If we were, then the atonement doesn't, isn't real. And I can testify with all my heart that it's real. It's so essential when we are thinking that what are these thoughts causing me to feel like I can do? If this thought is causing me to feel hopeless, to feel worthless, to feel ashamed, or feel like I cannot move forward, that is not from the Spirit. Like it talks like in Moroni, if it causes good things, it's from the Spirit. If it causes bad things or darkness, it is not from the Spirit. And it's important to call it out and say, heck, that is wrong. That is not from Christ. I am not going to listen to it. And like Christ, with temptations, give it no heed. My one good friend says, when she gets tempted, she's like, Satan, I don't have time for you. Like, I have too much good stuff to do. I don't got any time for you. And basically, just not even giving him any time, turning away from it, like repentance, the word shub, which is a translation of repentance in a different language, it just means turn away. Like, it really means to turn away from it. You have that negative thought. You can flip it. You can turn away from it and say, that is not from the Spirit. I know that the Spirit enables me to do better. And I have worth when I feel the Spirit. So, when you are able to recognize it and call it out, then you're in control of your thoughts and you're not giving into them and they're not taking control because I used to not be very proactive in my thinking. And it's something I continually need to learn because I used to just give into it. I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm awful. Oh, I'm terrible. And I would just give into it. But now it's like, wait, that's not from the source of truth. That's from a liar. Why am I going to listen to something that's wrong? As my dad would always say when I start saying things that were wrong after my mission, he'd say, wrong. He would just sit there and be like, wrong. Anyway, that's all he would say. And it was really strong. But that was so good to be like, yeah, that is wrong. And it's a lie. And we cannot believe a lie.
0: Mm, I have never heard it explained better than that about those three different voices. Satan's voice, our voice, and God's voice and kind of how to distinguish between them. And not to say that our voice is necessarily always wrong, but just how to know when it's, I'm following what I think I should do. And sometimes that's okay. Versus, but saying, no, this is what the Lord wants me to do. It's like, no, this is actually just me. And then, yeah, I love how you describe what we will feel when it's Satan, worthless, hopeless, ashamed, and then how we'll be lifted up when it's the Spirit speaking to us and that we'll feel capable and that we can do this and that we have worth. That is a great distinction right there. Well, Elizabeth, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show and to hear your testimony and to hear how far you've come in one year, my goodness, and just by allowing Christ in and really just opening your heart to Him. Is there any last bit of advice you'd like to give to anyone who has gone through something similar just in any way to what you've gone through?
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's been so special to be on this. I was talking in my release society today that yeah, today is actually the exact year mark of when I stepped on the plane to go home, which is crazy that a year ago I was leaving my mission and now I'm able to a year later have this different perspective. My advice really is don't give up. As Zugdorf says, don't ever give up. Sometimes it is so hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it feels like there's just darkness and we don't understand why everything has happened the way it does, why it feels like something that was going to be so good and was so good for other people has become such a trial for us. And just, I think it's so important to not give up, to keep going forward, do the little things and do them for the right reasons, knowing that it's not us that is able to save us. It's our savior. And that, like you said, he understands us completely. He's not waiting for us to reach a checkpoint, to reach a point of, okay, you're good enough. I'll help you. He's right there right now. And he reaches out to us, as Zuckdorf says, especially when we're struggling. He's right there. He's so aware of us. And I have come to understand that and to feel of that. And it's been such a blessing in my life. My final bit of advice is for those who are maybe just getting home or still, you know, working through their early return, that this is a beautiful opportunity. An early return is such a blessing if you allow it to be. My mission has transformed my life. It's changed my testimony, the focus of my life and my purpose. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has taught me, for His love that He has been able to show me this past year through countless miracles, through other people. We really aren't meant to do this life alone. It's a journey with all of us. So I know it may be hard and it may be really, really, really hard. It probably is, but it's going to be okay. And we can just say, thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for trusting me with a trial that I feel unable to accomplish. Thank you for giving me this chance to come closer to thy son. And please help me to feel the atonement. The atonement can truly heal all wounds, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. It can heal us completely. And it's real. And I am so grateful. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be on here today with you.
0: Well, thank you for being on. I—it's nothing more I can add to that. Thank you so much for being on here and sharing your testimony and faith with us. That concludes this interview on Early Homecoming. If you would like to go deeper into the experiences of early returned missionaries, please consider buying my book, Early Homecoming. You can find it in paper book, ebook, or audiobook formats on Amazon. If you would like to contact me, please come find me on Instagram at author underscore Kristen Reber or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kristen Reber. That's K R I S T. E-N-R-E-B-E-R